Professor Jerry Wright, thank you for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thanks, Mark. Professor, this is a rather dire report. Is this actually that serious? Yeah, indeed it is, and and that's exactly why um, the report was commissioned. And those of us in the field had had understood that it's a very serious issue. But what was really needed were the numbers, the actual numbers, to tell us, you know, what is the impact that, that antibiotic resistance is having on human health today and, and and projected into the future, and what's the impact it's having on our healthcare system and on our economy overall. Now, currently, apparently, it's something like 26% of, of these bugs are superbugs that are resistant to bacteria. That's, that in itself is an extremely high number. What are we doing with those as it is? Yeah, so this is the secret in the field, right, is that this is a creeping change over time. It's, and it's 26% now, and, and you know we projected into the future that it could get to be the 40%, I think, which is a reasonable number, and, and other other people around the world have projected even 100%, but that seems a little unlikely to me. But 26%, that means that these are bacteria that otherwise in the past we had no problem treating with the currently available antibiotics. And now, you know, more than a quarter of these in infections that are caused by these bacteria are no longer treatable with the existing antibiotics that we've come to use over, the, over time. Yeah, so, so what are we doing now, though? So we're shuffling about. We're using really old uh, antibiotics to deal with some of our really severe problems, and that has a downside, and that means because a lot of those older ones are, are come with toxic uh, side effects. In some cases, we have to throw our hands up in the air and say we have nothing to treat you. So in the past, what was happening was that the pharmaceutical industry was giving us new antibiotics on a regular basis, and so, you know, resistance occurs. It's a natural phenomenon, um, but... Uh, you know, we always had something else on the shelf. And now what's happened is that there's no more something else is on the shelf. Uh, the, the drug companies have, you know, have been stymied by the scientific challenges of finding new antibiotics, but more importantly by the economic challenges. It costs a lot of money uh, to make a drug. It costs just as much money to make an antibiotic as it costs to make a new blood pressure drug. Antibiotics are used a very short period of time, and they cure disease. Uh, you'll take your blood pressure medicine for the rest of your life. And so the, the economics don't make sense anymore for, for companies to be involved in. So to, to some extent, I, I'm understanding that finding new antibiotics is difficult in the first place, but what you're saying is also part of the equation is simply a, a profit motive by the companies. Yeah, sure. It's not unreasonable. These companies um, have to have a return on investment. They're, they're not charities. And if they can't make sufficient amount of money to recoup the amount of investment it took to make that antibiotic in the first place, then they're not going to be profitable. They're not, their shareholders aren't going to be happy with them, and, and um, they need to do something else. But compounded on top of that, as you pointed out correctly, is that it's hard to do. So all right, the antibiotics that, that most of us use today were all discovered, you know, between the 1940s and the 1960s, and they re they came mostly from bacteria and molds that live in the soil, and so we've been mining those for years and years, and and uh, we keep finding the same old things over and over again now, and so it makes finding new candidate drugs extremely difficult and extremely expensive. So you put that together with the constant evolution by the bacteria of, of 
resistance. And so bacteria are always going to be one step ahead. So you have, yeah, you have this sort of perfect storm. And that was the reason why we worked so hard on the report, and that is to draw attention to this very serious problem. So before we get to that, though, is this all because we overuse antibiotics for the slightest sniffle and things we're giving antibiotics? We're just in, especially, I guess, in the West, we're just overusing these things. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a component of this, and that is the history of antibiotics has been one of, of abuse. <laughs> and we've used antibiotics, you know, without a good understanding of, of what the underlying infection is. And so sometimes, um, you know, if you have a virus which are, is not um, susceptible to antibiotics, they're a completely different type of infectious organism, um, they they cause a lot of the same symptoms as bacterial infections do, and so we'll just use antibiotics just in case. So if we use antibiotics in that way, then you're right, then we're abusing them. But we've also used them for years and years in the agriculture setting in order to produce fatter chickens and fatter pigs and cows on a regular basis. But again, as I mentioned, I mean, that's part of the problem, but the other part of the problem is that, is that the bacteria are constantly evolving. Now, this report came out uh, from an expert group that uh, took place a little while ago, and even in McMaster this week, you're going to have a similar type of uh, symposium and so on. What what comes out of this if this is the situation and we're not getting new drugs and the bacteria themselves are evolving to overcome the drugs we have, what's, what's the solution? What can you offer? That's a great question. So the part of the reason of, of doing the report and having the symposium, as you, as you pointed out, this, this coming Thursday and Friday at McMaster, is really is to provide us an opportunity to, to advocate to our peers, to advocate to citizens. It's really a time for a call to action. We have an opportunity now, we know, now that we know how grave the problem is, we can no longer ignore it. And we have to make a decision as a society. What are we going to do to solve this problem? The science is going to be hard, but we need to invest in that. We need to figure out how does this happen. I can guarantee you that, that researchers and clinicians in Canada are prepared and, and poised and willing to throw their energy and brains into this, but it's going to take resources. Um, and that's a, that's a challenging uh, discussion to have in, uh, these days. Um, so we're hoping that, the, that by you know, raising attention by making sure that we have real numbers that are not estimates. This is the, you know, this is the best numbers that we could get. And by having uh, opportunities like the symposium that we're having at McMaster to draw attention to this, that folks will understand how, what a challenge it is. They'll understand that, that all the things that they take for granted in modern medicine, the ability to control infection enables us to do everything from open heart surgery to taking care of premature infants. All of that is at risk without antibiotics, and no one wants to give that up. And so, but it's going to take now a different mindset to be able to find solutions. But it's going to take some time, and it's going to take some investment to do that. Well, Professor Wright, this is a Canadian uh, report and initiative and so on, but of course this is a worldwide issue. So are, what are other countries doing right now? Yeah, that's a great comment. Indeed it is. And, and and we're only a plane ride away from anywhere else on, on the earth. And, and we saw that in Canada, you know, come to roost with the SARS challenge that we had, right? How quickly disease can spread around the planet and how close everyone actually really is. And as a result, 
the G7 and the G20 and the WHO, all these world organizations have come together with Canada as a signatory to raise the alarm uh, for this, this significant challenge. So everyone on the planet in the public health sphere, in the government sphere, is aware of this challenge. Some c- countries are doing better than others in addressing it. The United Kingdom, for example, is, has led the way in this over the last uh, decade or so, several countries in Europe as well. This uh, report, I, I hope, will spur uh, Canada into action. We have understanding of this within our public health sector, within the government. There's a great understanding of what the challenges are. Now, with the, hopefully, this report will become a catalyst for us to be able to work with others around the world. I'm confident that a country like Canada that has you know, such outstanding education system, uh, outstanding health care system, uh, a very broad and diverse population can contribute in a very significant way to this challenge across the world. Now with these, with this report that provides concrete numbers, because this is always a challenge, right? And so you say that this is a really, this is a, this is the problem, it's an existential threat to modern medicine, and the natural inclination is to say, well, what's your evidence for that? So now we have the evidence, and the response has been positive so far, and I hope the attention will be sustained so that we can we can address this problem. Otherwise. I shudder to think of what happens if we don't. So I'm hoping that these kind of numbers are going to be a, a rallying uh, call for policymakers, decision makers, to be able to say that this is a really significant problem. Now let's roll up our sleeves and do something about it. Professor Jerry Wright, thank you very much for this. No problem. It's my pleasure. Thanks for your interest.